Chapter Five of *The Quiet Flame* by Eva K. Betts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. A second contingent of sister fellows. As Mother Mary Ann's plans expanded, work increased, and since the sisters were already doing more than possible, it was evident that more Franciscans must come out. As before, many more volunteered, begged for the privilege that could be spared. Maui had its hospital and girls' school. The branch hospital was operating more smoothly, but there was one plan Mother had not been able to put into operation, a plan in which the Queen and kind Mr. Gibson were interested in. Children of affected parents could be saved from contracting leprosy if they were taken away from their parents early enough. "'Why not build a home for girls near our house?' asked Mother Mary Ann. "'But, Mother,' Mr. Gibson was aghast, you sisters are already carrying a cruelly heavy load. To try to do more would be inhuman. We have divine assistance, said Mother. Then realizing that Mr. Gibson was not too impressed with that argument, she added, her eyes twinkling, and I feel certain we could get a few more sisters if we get the home. If that can be arranged, Mr. Gibson agreed, I am sure we will have no trouble getting money for the girls' home. The sisters were on their way, Sisters Leopoldina, Charles, Benedicta, and Martha made the journey so quickly in their minds that they expected the actual travel to be smooth and fast, too. But halfway across the country their adventures started. Council Bluffs had, since covered wagon days, been the jumping-off place, the place where parties split, then reformed for either the Santa Fe Trail, the Rata Natchez, or directly west. The sisters were to change trains there with a wait of some hours between. This was no hardship. In fact, they were quite pleased. They had been living on food packed at home, and the thought of a hot meal was tempting. They left the train and walked out of a little station, sure that a village would not be far off. Sister Leopoldina and Sister Benedicta were doing the scouting, while the other two kept an eye on the baggage. The sidewalk was, or it had been, made of planks. There seemed to be more gaps than wood now, and walking was a chancy business. It required, really, a sort of dance step, two steps aside to miss a hole, and three ahead where the wood was solid. It seemed as if they had been progressing in this somewhat erratic fashion for a long time, without meeting another human being, when a man slouched along, eyeing them with amusement. Sister Benedicta spoke to him. "'Could you kindly tell us where we can find a restaurant?' she asked. "'We have been traveling and are very much in need of warm food.' For a moment they thought he was not going to pay attention to them. Then, with a queer sort of smile, he answered, "'Oh, yes, go right ahead until you come to that first building. Enter, and go up the stairs, and turn to your right.' The musty building was most unattractive, and the rickety stairs uninviting. "'Wouldn't you think they'd have a more pleasing entrance?' said Sister Leopoldina, as she fumbled in the darkness. "'Perhaps the food is so good that people come anyway.' Sister Benedicta tried to sound hopeful. They stumbled up the hammock-shaped steps. When they reached the top and turned as directed, they found themselves in a big, dirty room. The air was thick with tobacco smoke, and in its center, around a rough table, was a villainous-looking group of unkempt, unshaven men intent on some card game they were playing. Various-sized piles of coins marked each place. Gamblers and sisters caught sight of each other at the same instant, it would be hard to tell which group was more startled. Wrong place, 
gulped sister benedicta come sister they turned and descended the stairs with a good deal more speed than they had dared show climbing up it wasn't a very kind trick that man played on us said sister benedicta as they tangled back over the plank walk no but sister those men's faces were funny they were so startled she couldn't help laughing and sister benedicta joined her at the recollection but they were less gay when they had to return to the depot and report no success in the search after a wearisome hour or so on the hard wooden benches sister charles said she would like to go for a short walk sister leopoldina joined her they started off in the opposite direction from the one taken earlier this time they walked on solid planks and passed attractive homes from one of them a young woman came out to greet them and before they quite grasped what was going on all four nuns were in a pleasant house and seated before a table bearing a hot savory meal by train time the travellers felt that they would be leaving old friends they had fortunately a few days to wait in san francisco before their ship the alameda was to sail they discovered that no arrangements had been made for their passage they had no money and things generally were confused but by april fifteenth sailing date all was well and they were aboard we'll go through the golden gate exclaimed sister charles i've heard so much about it i'm anxious to see it a low-lying fog and thick mist deprived her of that pleasure but she and sister leopoldina stayed on deck anyway in the hope that they might see something once through the gate the little vessel began to roll and pitch my i hadn't expected quite so much violence sister leopoldina said to herself but of course i've never been on the ocean before i have everything to learn she settled herself into a deck chair intent on learning sister charles groaned a little i am beginning to feel sick she said oh you can't be sister leopoldina assured her don't you remember when we left the sisters of charity house in san francisco they said we would not be sick sister charles growing paler by the minute seemed to have less faith in the sisters of charity and the rule of prophets the alameda nosed down into the ravenous waters before she came up an irresistible wave hit her broadside covering the deck and almost sweeping away the nuns chairs and all sister charles stood up intending to go down to her cabin but the double motion of the deck fore and aft and side to side gave her no chance to get her equilibrium sister leopoldina wanted to help but couldn't she looked about and for the first time realized that they were the only people on deck as she gazed she saw that the horizon on which she had planned to feast her eyes kept disappearing first it was hidden by the floor of the deck above then the deck on which she was as she was considering the phenomenon the first mate hurried up ladies he seemed quite excited this is no place for you let me get you below we're in for some dirty weather isn't the ocean always like this sister leopoldina was still seeking information gracious no i've never seen it so rough so soon help sister charles if you will she isn't feeling well said sister leopoldina i can find my own way very nicely the mate caught sister charles by the arms and almost carried her sister leopoldina after a few false starts followed but the stairs when she reached them offered rather a problem they seemed so uneasy 
they were constantly shifting and moving as she looked down to the next deck which appeared to be a chasm below her then ever practical she decided that she must take the quickest and under the circumstances the safest way down she slid down the banister the other three sisters were up and about the next day poor sister leopoldina was the only bad sailor sometimes she dozed off into nightmares fierce dreams of being in the ocean with sharks crunching her bones when she awoke she was almost sorry it was not so then at least it would be quickly over the captain was most kind and thoughtful having special dishes prepared for her to see if they would help they didn't he was distressed too at the thought of young women sentencing themselves to work with lepers if i were your father he said i'd never permit you to do a thing like this for the first time in some days sister leopoldina gave a small smile but my father was very willing she said proudly he encouraged my sacrifice the captain shook his head wonderingly i believe it he said catholics are like that will you come and see us when we are settled asked the sister oh no never the captain shuddered when the alameda drew near its dock the sisters lined the rail their eyes searching the crowd anxiously the miseries and hardships of their trip would melt from memory they all felt as soon as they saw mother mary ann as the throng on the pier shifted they scanned each new opening for the deep eyes and loving smile they so longed to see have you seen mother no have you i haven't and i can't understand it she'd be here to greet us if if she wasn't sick at last it was put into words the thing on all their minds the ship was warped in and made secure the gangplank was lowered and the sisters walked ashore an old man separated himself from the crowd a tall man with white hair and flowing beard whose kind strong face was reminiscent of paintings of the prophets i am mr gibson he introduced himself with a smile the queen has sent carriages for you mother mary ann is waiting there hardly taking time to be impressed by the fact that they were riding in royal carriages the sisters packed themselves in two with mother the other two in the second carriage mother mary ann and sister benedicta and martha had a great deal to talk about the newcomers were eager to hear about the work that had been accomplished and of plans for work to come mother longed for news from home accounts of happenings in syracuse and messages from friends in other places in the second carriage sister charles and leopoldina looked about somewhat disappointed they were not quite sure what they had expected but they knew this was not it ordinary one-story wooden buildings bordered streets which were not well paved honolulu might be any rather poor town in the united states they decided and they had expected a romantic south sea village as they left honolulu proper and drove across the beach-bordered salt flats the roar of the ocean grew loud sister leopoldina cringed the ocean she felt was no friend of hers nor were they any more impressed when the prison-like walls of branch hospital loomed up it looked to be a desolate place with some of its buildings on pilings out over tidal waters but once through the gate of the hospital everything was different here they could see the work of mother mary ann's kind hand and beauty-loving nature well-kept grass carpeted the large open space and young trees had begun to take root and grow all the cottages were freshly whitewashed and the wide verandas had recently been painted gray the serenity of mother's soul was reflected 
as far as possible, in her surroundings. Where she went, cleanliness and godliness went also. There was no doubt that improved looks of the place, combined with kind treatment, had helped change the patients to a great extent. There were still unfortunate habits among them, still occasional small outbreaks of trouble, but compared to what it was on Mother Mary Ann's arrival, Branch Hospital was utopian. The women and girls were particularly delighted with the change. Now, instead of sleeping on rags on the floor, each had her own iron bedstead with mattress, and all their housewifely instincts were brought into play. Mother Mary Ann, all too sadly aware of the rigors of an ocean voyage, told the newcomers that they must have a few days' rest before starting their assigned tasks. But the very day after they reached Branch Hospital, they had callers to welcome the new arrivals and to thank them. Once again the Queen greeted the sisters as her sisters. Once again she wept because of the greatness of her gratitude. Sister Leopoldina was put in charge of a school for girls and women. She was a little afraid because Hawaiian sounded like nothing but a collection of sounds to her. Pretty sounds because of the vowels, but certainly not understandable words. And, tired as she was, she felt sure she would never be able to speak or understand the tongue. However, there were two girls in her group who spoke English. One was an older girl, the other was a very small one who looked rather like a mud ball. "'What's your name, dear?' asked Sister. "'Snowdrop.' "'Snowdrop? It can't be. A snowdrop is white and pure and clean, and you—' "'Well, it is my name.' the little one persisted. Mother Mary Ann said so. As soon as she could, Sister Leopoldina checked with Mother. Yes, I called her Snowdrop, Mother Mary Ann sighed. We had her clean and well-behaved for a while, but it didn't last. Perhaps if I make her a new dress for Sunday. Make the dress and put it on her as soon as you can get her to wash, said Mother with her quaint little smile. With care and love, Sister made over a pretty green dress, which had come in a donation of clothing. Snowdrop watched with fascination. Now as soon as you bathe, scrub yourself well, and wash your hair nicely, you may have this, Sister promised. I'll let you have it now, and, if you keep it clean for a week, I'll give you a pretty picture to hang by your bed. Although the price was high, a bath and staying clean for a week, Snowdrop decided that the dress and picture were worth it. She looked charming as she walked sedately toward Mother Mary Ann's office. "'Come in,' said the soft voice in answer to her knock. "'Oh, it's Snowdrop. I'm so glad you're back, and Dirty Ellen is gone.' A wise smile transformed Snowdrop's face. Then a look of anxiety swept it away. "'But I must keep my new dress clean for a week,' she said in the tone of one given an impossible task. "'I'm sure you can, dear.' mother consoled her. Why don't you sit here and crochet some lace while I work at my desk? But I have no thread and no needle. I can supply them. Mother Mary Ann's eyes brightened with as much gaiety as Snowdrop's own. And I have a wonderful plan. You make lots and lots of pretty lace, and the sisters will make some nice new underwear for you. Then you can trim it with the lace you made yourself. Snowdrop, dreams of untold grandeur driving her, set feverishly to work. Mother Mary Ann wrote for a while. Then, pen poised, she sat thinking of what Dr. Arning had told her. End of chapter 5